This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 413. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined by Matthew Marister. Glad to be back, sir. Matthew is in the middle of a move. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. It's been horrible. <laughs> so something related to that uh, kept him from being on the show last week when he was supposed to and forced me to work when I didn't want to. Oh, yeah. So you're I, fired. I forgot about that. I had a little... <laughs> I had a little emergency come up yeah. with uh, some plumbing and stuff. So St- Stuff happens, man, when you move. <sighs> Golly. <laughs> it's all good, bro. <laughs> well, folks, welcome to the show. Today is a Justified Saves episode. Really looking forward to sharing these Justified Saves stories with you, these news stories from around the country. Uh, we do this now once a month. The first Tuesday of the month is our Justified Save episode. And we got a bunch of good ones today, so you're not going to want to miss it. So stick around. Make sure you stick around to the end because uh, the last story, I think in particular, is really interesting. And so, today's episode, though, first, is brought to you by the Foundation Belt by EDC Belt Company. Our buddy Brian Eastridge, uh, one of the founders of EDC Belt Company, and he is a very knowledgeable guy about carrying a gun. He's been carrying a gun for a long time, uh, concealed, and also on duty as a police officer. Uh, Brian and his company there, they make a mean belt. I'm wearing it right now. I don't know if Matthew has one, but if he doesn't, he needs one. Yeah, I don't, but I want to. I think we're going to have to hook <laughs> you up, bro. I think I know a place we sell them. We can get you a discount. Oh, good, good. You know, friends and family company discount. <laughs> we'll knock off a whopping 5%. <laughs> hey, I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> uh, so where you can get the foundation belt, the best Concealed carry belt, I, I'm convinced of. I've had a few, and I, I still have other belts, by the way. For the record, there's other belts that I that I like and that I use, uh, but it's hard not to just keep using the EDC Belt Company's foundation belt because it's that good. So check it out, concealedcarry.com forward slash foundation. We do have these, well, at least last I checked, we have them in stock. I know we have another order on the way. So uh, uh, we'll be getting those out here very quickly to you if you have placed an order or will place an order. Today's episode also brought to you by the Legal Boundaries by State, 50-state guide to concealed carry and gun law across the, the, the nation. Uh, this is our book, uh, the company, our team here, multiple people involved, put together and organized this and, and tried to put together the best resource for firearm owners and carriers across the nation, particularly if you're going over state lines, if you're doing any traveling, or even if you just want to know some of the info about your own state. Uh, there may be things in there that you didn't know about. Uh, plus, the last half of the book, pretty much, is a bunch of great resources on how to travel with a gun, how to fly with a gun, uh, what to do with like hotels and different things, non-permissive environments, bars and restaurants, and all kinds of good stuff. So it's a it's a great resource available both in electronic and physical formats. You can get it both. Very low price. Check it out. Concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book. And it's updated. It, yes, regularly, yes. Yeah, uh, the one other book we used to sell quite a few and sold for years, and it's not a bad book, but is only updated once a year. 
and uh, here's the here's the little here's the little secret. Uh, we 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 and I we actually tried to convince the uh, publisher, the the writer, the the author of that book to make an electronic version uh, because we saw some opportunity with that, and they didn't really want to do that. So uh, we created our own, and uh, the ebook is lifetime access, lifetime updates. So you're gonna want it. All right, check it out. Again, that link was concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book. Uh, today, before we get too far along, uh, well, there's 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 two announcements I got to get out. Number one uh, is an announcement for Matthews on Matthew's behalf, and also mm-hmm. Rob Beckman, two Guardian Pistol instructors in our network out there in the Ohio region, and uh, we want to just point folks' attention to the fact that uh, we've got our Guardian Pistol courses. Uh, specifically, you guys are doing the the whole triple Guardian, which is right. three days of fantastic pistol training. And there's op- and not that you have to sign up for all three days. You can do just the first day or the first two days, or if you've already had the the first day, which we we call Guardian Essentials, you can you know just do the second day or the, whatever. So uh, we've got Guardian. We've got some openings available, and as we were just talking about this. Uh, as far as we know, these are still going forward. We've got a class in Cincinnati on June 5th through the 7th. And then you guys, uh, again, are teaching a class uh, in uh, Columbus on July right. 24th to the 26th. Yep. And then another class in Frankfurt, Indiana, August 21st to, to the 23rd. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be so exciting. Some, some openings available in all those uh, on all those dates. Uh, Jacob and I have some dates as well, guys. You can check out our our whole training uh, calendar at class.concealedcarry.com. That's where you can get signed up. Uh, you can filter by area, by state. You can you can find uh, these classes uh, taught by uh, two very uh, distinguished and respected <laughs> instructors, Rob Beckman and Matthew Marister. Rob, of course, is our host of the Firearm Trainers podcast. And Matthew, of course, is you know the amazing <laughs> co-host, producer extraordinaire here at the Concealed Carry Podcast. Um, so yeah, guys, check it out. Class.concealedcarry.com. We also have a uh, Guardian Pistol Instructor course. Jacob and I will be teaching August 21st to the 23rd as well. Same weekend as you guys' uh, class in Indiana. Cool. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, kind of looking at things, looking forward. It still, you know, it looks like uh, these are these are still going to happen. Uh, we did have to cancel the class that Jacob and I had scheduled here in Colorado uh, in, uh, it's like last weekend, I think. It was supposed to be, or maybe it was two weekends ago now. Uh, but, you know, due to uh, coronavirus, that, that one had to get, get the axe. So, anyway, one other thing before we get to our justified safe stories, we wanted to share a very uh, tragic story actually out of Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, news story is in the show notes of today's episode. Lawofficer.com uh, reports that uh, a police officer by the name of Mike Mosher was killed in a gunfight. Uh, Mike is a police officer that I that I've bumped into and met a couple of times. He and his uh, uh, sweet wife, uh, Corinne. Some of you may be familiar with Corinne Mosher, who is a pro three-gun shooter sponsored by 511 Tactical and a few other uh, big names you guys would would probably recognize. Um, 
she's very talented woman. Mike was also a very talented guy, a, a good guy all around, uh, an excellent police officer. He was well-liked and respected in his community and by his fellow uh, law enforcement officers. On this past Sunday, uh, he was involved in a, in a shooting. He was actually on his way to work uh, to begin a shift, and uh, he was in uniform. He's just on his way to work, and uh, he witnessed a hit-and-run accident. He pursued the vehicle that ran from the scene, uh, got that vehicle stopped, and uh, a shootout began. Uh, Mike was uh, able to defend himself and put down the bad guy. Uh, the bad guy did die at the scene, um, but uh, unfortunately, Mike s- succumbed to his own injuries uh, later that evening. So, uh, a tragic thing, uh, and I uh, wanted to share that that story with you guys. This is a uh, you know, well-liked, well-loved uh, couple in the shooting sports industry, whether you'd heard about them before today or not. Um, you know, this, this is uh, leaving a mark. Uh, uh, and I would say that uh, we are diminished in uh, Mike's absence, both from a you know good guy standpoint. He was one of the good guys, and also um, you know from uh, you know the fact that he's gone from 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 the community. He was a, he was a well respected instructor uh, for I believe for his department even. So anyway, I had to mute Matthew there, getting like some uh, lawnmower noise. <laughs> <laughs> which distracted me. Um, anyway, our, our, our hearts, our prayers, our thoughts uh, go to uh, Mike, and his, uh, his widow and his daughter. Uh, we want to advise you that there is a GoFundMe page that's set up, and we would encourage you to support this. Link is in the show notes. Um, we'll also put it here in the comments, so the Facebook uh, uh, comments here as well, and YouTube uh, comments, I should say. Um, here's the thing. The shooting community is uh, rallying around uh, this family, and they, uh, well, a couple of uh, big names, Diana Moeller, she's been on the podcast before, a fellow pro three gunner, and uh, she has been involved and instrumental in organizing this GoFundMe, along with Tommy Thacker, who's another uh, well-liked and uh, uh, respected individual in the shooting sports industry, and Tommy is donating a $4,000 Browning over under shotgun uh, to, it, as a giveaway. Anyone that contributes to this GoFundMe has an opportunity to, I mean, not only do a really amazing thing for uh, a family in mourning and a family in need of help, um, but uh, to have an opportunity to also uh, win a really special prize, uh, which, you know, I think is, I, I think it's remarkable that uh, Tommy is doing this. This is a very, very, very nice uh, contribution that is getting some attention. And right now, uh, the goal, uh, which is $50,000, is about two-thirds met, about two-thirds of the way there. So really, really cool. Um, again, here's the link for the GoFundMe. It's gofundme.com forward slash F forward slash officer dash Mike dash Mosher dash memorial dash fund for those of you that are listening and if uh it's easier for you just check the show notes you'll find the link there as well all right let's get into our justified safe stories let's do it first up we've got a story out of baton rouge louisiana uh we have a man that's out and about going for a walk about 9 p.m and he's approached by three individuals that uh, one, at least one of which is armed, has a gun, 
and uh, it's clearly, you know, this is an armed robbery, you know, right there on the street. Um, the man uh, draws his gun and gets into a shootout with these three suspects. Um, he shoots and kills the armed suspect, an 18-year-old suspect. But uh, in the process of this, the the intended you know, victim or target of this uh, robbery is also wounded. And seriously, it says that he's still in the hospital. Uh, this is as of a few days ago, but he was in the hospital with life-threatening injuries. So, uh, you know, again, another good reminder that even when we do the right thing or we have good training, uh, and I would actually say that about even uh, Officer Mike Mosher, you know, a well-trained individual, uh, skilled tactician he he was not just your i hate to say it this way but it's it's the truth your average cop there's a lot of average cops matthew knows what i mean Mm -hmm. that uh don't take their own personal development and training that seriously just you know scoot on by with you know meeting the bare minimum standards like the other departments want them to and uh you know officer mike was, was a skilled shooter and uh couldn't get the job done, you know, without getting himself really seriously injured. In this case, we have this Baton Rouge, uh, 26-year-old man who tries to defend himself and is is shot severely. So I uh, don't know. I haven't seen an update of, as to whether he's going to pull through. I hope he pulls through because it's a shame, you know, that somebody, a law-abiding citizen, legally carrying a concealed gun, just out minding his own business, walking around at 9 p.m., you know, no big deal. It's a shame. Yeah. But I'm glad he was able to defend himself, at least. that there's There's that, at least. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible, you know, because I think a lot of times we think if we do everything right or if we, you know, train right in all this, then that kind of ensures that if we do end up having to use our firearm, we'll, we'll prevail. You know, we won't be injured. We won't be killed. And it's, it's just, it's just not the reality. Right. And it's, it's sad because, um, you know, you, you, you do the best that you can to set, set yourself up for success, but it doesn't guarantee success. And that's like a big disconnect, right? So, um, and if you look at the guys in the, in the picture, you know, they're 18 year old kids, 17 year old kid. They don't look like, you know, hardened parolees with tattoos all over their faces. Like, I mean, so you never know when it's going to happen. You never know if it's going to happen, but, um, yeah, let's, I mean, I think it's just a sobering reminder that, you know, we, we do what we can, um, to be prepared if that were ever happened, but there's no guarantees. Right. So that's right. Well, this is why I take my training seriously, you know, and this is why I try to make sure that my skills are sharp, sharp, uh, every day. And, uh, you know, cause your, your best may still not be, be enough. So for some people that might even discourage them. Well, geez, I could, you know, be this like super, operator warrior type and uh you know be a former navy seal uh ranger you know special forces guy and it's still not enough so you know why why even try uh, especially when i mean it is true it's it's fair to recognize that uh there are not very skilled individuals that successfully defend themselves with guns every day mm-hmm. uh, but i would say that in a lot of those cases those people are lucky uh, and, you know, whether you believe in luck or not, um, you know, it just happens to be that that's, that's how it works out. Right. Uh, and sometimes even when you are prepared and you are skilled, it may not work out in your favor, but 
for me, it motivates me. I want to be as best as I, the, the best that I can be because uh, I want to have the best chance of pulling through a situation, of getting through a crappy situation. Uh, and what does that require? It requires the right mindset, mental preparation. Uh, it re- requires, you know, good, uh, well, a long, kind of closely related to that, honestly. I mean, awareness, situational awareness, um, not being a, not being a, a sheep, you know, where you're just going about your business, not paying attention, uh, you know, not being that easy target, um, physically preparing yourself, right? Having good hands-on skills, having good verbal judo skills, uh, being a good shooter, right? And now, honestly, that that's probably like one of the last things uh, of the of the whole package. There's a lot of things that come before ever drawing and shooting that gun. But uh, the one thing that is... You know, it's it's kind of like it's it's that that one thing that if you either have that skill or you don't, and if you really need it and you don't have that skill, then you you might you just might be hosed, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not going to be me. At least that's my hope, my intent. Uh, physically, I can get a little bit better. Need to yeah. still get some pounds off and and physically get a little bit more in shape. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. I'm trying, brother. But. uh <laughs> All right, so let's move on. Uh, Matthew, tell us about this story in uh, Chicago. Uh, brothers shoot suspected robber. Yeah, this is interesting because it has a couple elements that you wouldn't necessarily think, and it cut, happens in uh, in Illinois, Chicago. So uh, from the Chicago Sun-Times, a store clerk and his brother shot at a suspected robber Tuesday in Bridgeview after he allegedly robbed uh, the business or tried to rob the business. Um, this is the second time in the in, in the last five days. So apparently, what happens is the clerk uh, has been robbed for the second time in the f- in five days. He it says uh, that he thwarts the the initial robbery. Robber runs out. Uh, he caught the the clerk calls his brother, who happens to be in the area driving in a vehicle with some friends, um, and they the brother and his friends and the clerk manage to chase this guy down uh, the robber. A uh, brief shootout occurs when they actually catch him. Um, he's shot, it, the, the robber shot in the back and hospitalized in good condition. Um, firearm was, rece- was uh, recovered from the, from the suspect um, and obviously the brothers who shot him. Um, they're investigating the shootings. However, uh, this is, and this is in, I don't know if it's Chicago, you know, the city or whatnot. Um, but it says charges are pending against a suspected robber. The brothers will not be charged. So I know, you know, a lot of times we always jump and say, you know, if it happens in this state or that state, you know, they're probably going to charge the, the, the victim. Right. But, um, even though he shot him in the back, it appears at least in this story that they're not going to be, uh, charged. And, you know, so it goes to say that, you know, obviously shooting somebody in the back is not always, uh, going to be justified, but there are obviously certain circumstances, um, where even shooting somebody in the back, uh, the facts play out and and it supports a self-defense claim. So a pretty good story all around here. Yeah, you know, there's something here that I picked up on, and it talks about how police uh, were investigating the shooting, mm-hmm. and then they were also investigating the robberies. Uh, and then it's two different jurisdictions, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, one happened in suburban justice, 
neighborhood of justice or community of justice or whatever. I've never heard of it. Never heard of these communities. And then the other was a bridge bridge view, which is where the shooting occurred. Um, but if and I suspect if Andrew Branca was uh, listening to this or if he was here with us and commenting that, uh, uh, you know, something that he would probably address as well or would point out would be that uh, th- this is two separate incidents. You have a mm-hmm. robbery incident and you have a shooting incident. And the shooting incident does not happen if the store clerk and his brother don't go and chase down the robber. Right? Uh, again, I, you know, I'm happy for them. I'm happy that it, everything worked out. Okay. Um, and you know, this, this robber was suspected of having robbed that same business just a few days prior. So clearly this was something that was going to just probably keep happening. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, but, uh, just because we think something might happen again does not is not justification in of itself. Uh, Jacob and I spent a good deal of time talking last week about when can you shoot somebody and talking about the five elements of self defense. Um, you know, imminence is a very important. Uh, it, it's one of those very 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 important principles of, of self defense. And so, again, these brothers are not going to be charged. Great, good for them, but it may not always work that way. It's best practice. Don't go chasing down robbers. Don't go chasing down thieves or the guy that you thought was breaking into your car. Let him be. Let him go. All right? Yeah. I mean, we just covered two stories, right? One where an officer who is kind of compelled to intervene, right? Uh, and sure. And run. He ends up getting shot and killed. And then the next one where he doesn't choose, but he is involved um, and he ends up potentially dying. So this guy interjected himself into a deadly situation that didn't need to be he ended up you know uh not being killed or injured but like you said i mean it's it's probably not the best best uh idea right this was borderline vigilantism you know that hey these guys robbed us we got to go get them and they chased them down uh so i mean here here's now it may not have turned in it it may not have been that they had the intent of we're going to go and shoot them right just that Hey, where did this bad guy go? Where did he, you know, mm-hmm. like can we can we track him down, right? Um and so this is the sort of thing that starts out as a uh well, this robbery took place. I saw the bad guy went that way. I know my brother's out and about. I've got a description. Hey, bro, see if you can find this dude or find this vehicle. Uh we just want to see if we can locate him, right? So we can get the cops uh to to track him down. And uh you know, so you, here you think you're just trying to locate this robber, but then when you do locate him, then what? Right? And so then it very quickly can turn into this, oh, I know you. I know, you know, you guys are, you know, are following me. Well, I don't like that. And next thing you know, you're, you're in a gunfight, right? So whether it's legal or not is not even the question, but uh, that, that's not the only question that we have to look at. It's also what is the best way of ensuring I, I go home tonight in one piece and not with any extra holes or that I'm not going not even home, but I'm not going away in a box. Right. right. And the best way is to avoid conflict and ch- chasing down a robber, a bad guy, whatever, while it may even be permissible to do depending on how that goes. I know in some States it could potentially pose a legal problem for, for, for uh, individuals in doing that and pursuing a criminal like that. But, um, 
whether it's the legal choice or not, it's not the always the best choice for you, your safety, because you, you know, Andrew Brink is big about talking about that, right? Limiting your risk. And the one thing that for sure minimizes risk in a big way is just avoiding conflict in the first place. So anyway, uh, good story there. We got one here now out of the Detroit news. A man allegedly pulls a gun because shot by intended victim is the headline. Uh, this basically sounded like another uh, on the street armed robbery. A man approached another man, pulled a gun on him. This was uh, Sunday night. It's actually a couple weeks ago. As on Detroit's west side, it says. And this man approached a 23 year old man. And that 23 year old man was a concealed weapons permit carrier. Uh, he pulled a gun of his own and shot the suspect. The suspect then turned up at a hospital. He had to be treated. Uh, you know, hospital and police uh, uh, personnel able to put two and two together and figure out where this guy came from with the bullet holes in him. And he was arrested for, for this uh, armed robbery attempt. So uh, kudos to this man in Detroit for defending himself. Yes, sir. Uh, Matthew, there's a story from our website, concealedcarry.com, specifically the Nevada page, nevada.concealedcarry.com. Good Samaritan shoots fence-jumping suspect as police air unit was in pursuit. This was in uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, interesting story. Little twist here. Um, Las Vegas, about 6 p.m., April 5th. Um, so, you know, about a month ago, actually a month ago. Uh, officers called the area of West Washington Avenue. Um they were in search of a suspect. Basically, uh, they have an air unit up. They uh, find a motorcycle driving suspiciously. Um, they try to stop him. Guy takes off. Um, they pursue him. Uh, uh, you know, vehicle pursuit happens. Uh, he bails out. Um, and then he uh, bails from the, the bike and goes into a foot pursuit. But they have a, a air, you know, helicopter following him so they can uh, direct units to get to him. Um, basically what ends up happening is he jumps a, f a barbed wire fence, the, the suspect, uh, behind a, a vehicle dealership, car dealership. And, um, a 40 year old, it says a 40 year old man called the police, followed the suspect on foot to a pathway to a condominium complex. Um, so, you know, it doesn't say anything about them knowing that this guy is armed or not, but this, sus this, you know, Citizen walking down the street must see helicopters overhead, hear sirens, sees a guy jump a fence and says, okay, I'll follow to save distance. Kind of like what um, Ryan was talking about, right? Um, apparently, it, it maybe it goes from a safe distance to now the suspect sees this guy following him uh, where he pulls out a knife. The suspect, the guy who is being chased, um, Good Samaritan draws out his firearm, fires two rounds at him, hitting him both times. Uh, guy who is uh the suspect drops on the ground now it says that the the good samaritan who fired the rounds ran back to his home which i i, I assume is nearby to grab uh medical gear and when he returns the suspect's mm. already dead mm. um so it's not you know obviously he's not facing any um any charges the good samaritan he you know feared reasonably for his life when the guy uh pulled out a, a knife on him um but it brings up a, a pretty good question i think and sometimes people ask about should you administer um you know friend or aid friend or aid right yeah. exactly to somebody you've just shot so it's a, it's a good question and you know I'll, I'll let you 
go into your idea, right? What you think about that? Well, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, uh, first of all, there's no obligation, legal or otherwise. I, I guess a person might feel morally obligated to, to help out somebody, even if they, you know, just shot them uh, in a justified fashion, no less. But uh, legally speaking, there's no obligation, right? Uh, so just know that and I, I would approach this kind of situation always with a great deal of caution. Um, again, by rendering rendering aid requires you to close a distance on that person to get closer than is uh, advisable as far as from, from a safety perspective, right? Um, now, it sounds like the suspect had a knife, so that's a proximity weapon, meaning that, you know, you keep six feet distance or so from this person, uh, nine, you know, more is better always, but, uh, assuming that they're pretty wounded and they're on the ground, um, you know, that's probably your, your minimum safe distance, but we get within that, uh, well, a knife can still do a lot of damage even in the hands of a wounded person. So you got to have absolute confidence that that person is disarmed, that they are no longer a threat. Uh, honestly, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm rendering aid. That's not my job. Uh, even though I'm trained to do some things in that regard, I you know call nine one one, get EMS there, get police there, uh, let them handle it. You know it's not my problem. This guy, this is the guy that tried to hurt me. Uh, all I care about is that that you know I, I make it home to my family. So, um, but again, if you feel like you need to render aid, by all means, that's 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 on you. Just make sure you're smart about it. Now, the other thing we've already covered a couple of stories where this became the issue is what about having to render aid to yourself? That is one major priority. Now, this this individual it says he had to go and retrieve his first aid kit. Uh, where is your first aid kit? Your trauma kit? Where is it? Right? If you got to render self aid after you were involved in an incident like this, where's that kit? If you got to go retrieve it. What if your wound is so bad? What if you have just been shot in the femoral artery where you're going to bleed out in 90 seconds or so? Do you have the time to retrieve that, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why maybe you don't have to have the whole kit with you at all times, but maybe at least have the tourniquet with you, right? So you can handle those really bad hemorrhages, uh, at least in those those limbs, um, quickly, right now. You know, maybe that buys you the time to get to where the more comprehensive kit is or whatever. Or if you're carrying an ankle kit like I do, and you've got a lot of that stuff with you uh, just about everywhere you go. Uh, or, you know, and I'm holding it up on camera here. I've got my bag, this other this pouch on the lower portion of my backpack. My backpack goes with me just about everywhere. So the reality, and that's a more comprehensive kit than what I carry on my ankles. The reality is a lot of times I've got an ankle kit and I've got that kit. I've got the ability to render aid to multiple people or render a lot of aid to myself. Um, point is, is we should have a good game plan. Right? Yeah. Again, not just not just the tactical thing or, or the cool shooting part thing. That's just part of, the, part of the solution. We have to be prepared in other ways. No doubt. Uh, Mountain Man Medical, of course, is uh, that's the place to go check out trauma kits. Uh, very, very uh, awesome trauma, trauma kits for a very good price. MountainManMedical.com, in case folks are wondering. Uh, Matthew, we got a story out of Central Florida. Boy, this is kind of a sad story. I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. But basically, you've got a grand, or well, I assume she's a grandmother. I don't know, maybe not. But this is a 76-year-old woman, right? 
who has to defend herself against an unlikely attacker. Yeah, so she is 76 years old. She lives in Central Florida. She has to end up shooting her daughter, um, who I believe she's 54. So um, from the... From the story, it seems like there's some sort of dispute inside the home of the grand or the mother, uh, the 76 year old and uh, over some property or something. Maybe she's being kicked out or or, or whatnot. But um, in in any event, a a physical confrontation uh, develops between the mother and the daughter, um, 76 year old and the 54 year old. Uh, 50 or four year old, obviously probably a little bit more physically, uh, able to defend and attack and things. So starts hitting, uh, the older woman, uh, her mother, she, the mother says, Hey, I, I stop hitting me. I'm, I have, I'm going to draw my firearm. She draws her firearm. She says, I'm going to shoot you. If you continue to attack me, she can, the daughter continues to attack her. She ends up shooting, uh, her daughter. And I don't believe it says how many times, um, but at least it says once. she shot her in the leg. Yeah, just at least once uh, in in the leg with a twenty two caliber handgun. All right. Uh, obviously, um, police respond, take the daughter uh, to get treated, which is non-life-threatening injuries. Um, and it, it just kind of runs through the daughter's previous convictions and, and arrest records. She's, you know, has a history of, uh, you know, DUI and, and felony battery and, and these types of things. So probably a history of some bad blood or some, you know, violence issues and, and, and that type of thing. Um, um, it's a sad story, but you know what I what I got out of it was one that you know we don't know if the daughter would have beat the mother her mother until she died or whatnot. We don't know if this saved the the, the woman's life, but who knows? Because when you're that old, right, and you maybe sustain a, a injury, uh, you know, a, a contusion to your head, um, a lot of times, you know, when you're that old, clotting and, and things like that, you 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 can die from things that a younger person would typically look from, right? So um, there's certainly a a risk there. And the other kind of thing I pulled out of this, Riley, and I'm sure you did too, was um, the 22, right? Like we talk Mm -hmm. about um, the, you know, what is acceptable defensive caliber? Um, And we talk about 22 and, you know, it's, it's, it's not ideal for a defensive caliber and people say well i wouldn't want to be shot with a 22 of course nobody would want to be shot probably with the with a pellet gun right that'd stop a lot of people um That's right. but um but a motivated person and things like that um and i know we covered this before when we're talking about caliber and things and not to re rehash that whole you know conversation but um it it, it typically takes more than uh, more rounds than, you know, nine millimeter, 40, 45, when you're talking about 22, just because it's, it penetrates less, it, it's less, uh, less deterrent or it takes more rounds to actually stop the threat. So, um, just something to think about. Um, but in this case, one round from a 22, uh, you know, stopped the daughter from, from continuing that attack against the mother, which was good. Mm-hmm. So. This is a, you know, it's an unfortunate, event i mean this is this was a case of domestic violence this is a daughter against her mother uh this is uh you know it, it says she was hitting her mother in the chest a 76 year old woman's being hit in the chest uh we, there's concerns about 
you know, strikes like that to the chest could, could potentially disrupt heart rhythms and stuff and, and cause death that way as well. So uh, this is a legitimate uh, concern. This is a legitimate threat. Uh, it's unfortunate it's coming from her own daughter. Clearly, they've had some kind of problem. Uh, the daughter's come to the home to gather clothes. So clearly something's happened where, I don't know, it sounds like the 76-year-old woman is kicking her daughter out of the house. Uh, at least that's the impression I'm given by her having to gather her clothes. Uh, but, uh, you know, the mom grabs her 22 caliber handgun. You talked about uh, stopping power. I- I'm thinking more about the decision here. She it seems that the decision to shoot her in the leg was intentional, uh, which I can respect that, like, this is your child. Uh, granted, a very much a grown child, but you, you don't want to have to to do, you know, to, to kill your child. So I suspect that played into this. The, the, the big concern there is that if this daughter of hers was truly intent on harming her, and maybe even the act of pulling the gun out and firing that one shot uh, is enough to escalate that daughter, really push her over the edge. Maybe she then takes that gun from from her mom and then shoots her mom, you know, with it. Uh, that sort of thing. You know, emotions can get, can run very high very quickly, especially in a situation like that. Emotions are already are high and the daughter's already upset for whatever reason is, is really uh, battering her mother. So that would be my concern is if you're going to pull out that weapon and you're going to use it, then you dang well better be either willing to put it to good use, meaning good effective shots uh, that are much more likely to result in a stoppage of that individual, of that threat, uh, or uh, that you are willing to defend yourself against that gun take away because this could have, you know, turned very differently. It could have been bad uh, for the 76-year-old woman. Um, now, clearly, it, it it got the job done as far as it, it broke off this attack. Um, you know, the, both both people are, are, are still alive, and that's mm-hmm. good. And I really sincerely hope they're able to work things out between them because this is uh, – it's it's sad and it's remarkable and it's ridiculous that – uh, that, that these, uh, you know, a mother and, a, and her child could have such a such a problem like this, uh, especially at the age, you know, that they are. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so 22s, not the best stoppers, and pretty much because of a lack of consistent penetration. That's what it comes down to, right? If you can get consistent, good, deep enough penetration, uh, then re- almost regardless of caliber size, uh, you can stop somebody, you know, physically, you can disrupt, uh, blood flow. You can disrupt the heart, uh, or perhaps even the brain, uh, central nervous system, you know, hit like you, if you get good, consistent penetration, it almost doesn't matter the diameter of that bullet. Um, the problem is when we get to the, into these lighter calibers, they tend to not penetrate consistently enough. And that's why they're not recommended. It's not because of, diameter or size or bullet weight or energy transfer or momentum or anything like that. It's about how consistently can we get that projectile deeply enough to result in a, in a, in a consistent, uh, statistically probable stop of the threat. That's what it comes down to. Yes. Done a lot of studying on that. Uh, and I continue to study that. We're, we go now back to Las Vegas, actually. This is our final Justified Safe story. This is a doozy. Uh, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from this one, too. This is from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Uh, the, the title is DA, Fatal Shooting in, in Parking Lot, Was Clear Case of Self-Defense. 
let me see if I can go over the, the basic details of this shooting. First, I will mention that the good guy involved is B.J. Baldwin, who is uh, a well-known figure in the motorsports world. He's the president of Baldwin Motorsports, uh, the son of a gaming executive, and uh, you know he's he's known for he's a bit of an adrenaline junkie and is you know, does all these kind of crazy stunts and things and racing and stuff. Um, so this is a you know prominent figure that's involved in this shooting. He is sitting having a fast food dinner. Sounds like they're sitting outside next to their vehicle. Uh, he's got a woman with him, a date, a uh, girlfriend or, or somebody. And uh, they're sitting there outside of a In-N-Out burger place. Uh, they're, they're enjoying their food. Um, this is you know on the evening of April 22nd. Uh, actually, says early on April 22nd. I think it actually means it was like after midnight. Um, two men approach. We later learn from a statement of one of these two men, and these two men happen to be brothers. It says that uh, they they had been in the area, and they had actually been nearby earlier, and one of these brothers was throwing rocks at the glass window of a gun store. Uh, and they guess, I guess they got bored with you know doing property damage and decided to go somewhere else, and then later came back. And the brother that gave the statement says he didn't know what his, other, what, what his brother was, was planning on doing. Uh, but apparently this brother decides to approach B.J. Baldwin and his date, which coincidentally, and why this is somewhat notable, happens to be Tori Nonaka, who is a former sponsored shooter of Team Glock, um, formerly also sponsored by Terran Tactical and, and, and others. And so she's a, she's a well-known figure in the competitive shooting sports world. And she is, uh, my understanding, is currently dating B.J. Baldwin. So... BJ and Tony sitting there enjoying their meal when they're approached by these two brothers, specifically by this one brother who comes at them with a gun. He points it at Tori and then swings it over to BJ, I guess, while he's smiling about all this and then apparently fires the first shots. Uh, the statement from the brother is that his brother, uh, the gun wielder, fired the first shot. BJ draws his gun and steps uh, away and takes cover behind a garbage can uh, and returns fire. Apparently, seven shots are fired by the perpetrator and 11 shots are fired by BJ. Uh, he strikes the bad guy uh, and he, and that man dies there at the scene. His brother takes off uh, and following the resolution of at least this threat, BJ and his girlfriend take off in their vehicle. They claim they were uh, concerned about their safety. They didn't know where this other guy went. Now, by the way, I think that's a, if you can articulate it, I think that's a valid thing, a valid uh, a position to have. Some people may view it as being suspicious, like they were doing something. But uh, when I first, some of the early, earliest reporting I read on this was that they knew that there was this other party somewhere in the area and they didn't. They were concerned by hanging around that uh, that they might still be, uh, you know, in danger, and so they left the scene. Um, they called nine one one, and of course, police arrived, uh, found the deceased uh, bad guy on the ground. At some point, that man's girlfriend, I think, showed up and actually grabbed his gun and put it away in her vehicle. Uh, she later uh, uh, pointed police to where it was located. So. Uh, 
kind of a weird, crazy uh, situation. We actually don't even know the, the true full motivation as to why this man uh, chose to, to approach BJ and, and Tori. And uh, uh, it would appear to be almost like a robbery of some sort. Um, but a couple of big lessons that, and takeaways uh, that, I, that I took from this was, well, there's, there's several, but I'm going to highlight one and then I'll hand it off to Matthew because I'm sure he has other thoughts. And that is that BJ Baldwin fired 11 shots before the situation was resolved. So how many of us are carrying 11 shotguns? You know, if this is a P365, which is kind of the new, you know, player, to, or even if it was a Hellcat, I guess, but, you know, one of these uh, newer micro-compact double stack, I mean, that that's a 10 plus one. So that's 11 shots. You're shooting that P365 with its standard 10-round mag to slide lock. And then you're in your situation where you're like, crap, now I got to reload, right? That 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 puts it in perspective in a big way. So when we start talking about capacity, and I have said for years that my standard, and I know other instructors that echo this, say the same thing or a similar thing, that for me, a, a, a true defensive gun, this is just for me, this is my standard, but I, I'm on record as having said it. I like to have a gun that has at least a 10-round magazine capacity, meaning 10 plus one, all right? And you put it in the context of this situation against one bad guy, at least the one that we know is that is armed. The other one, we don't know that he was even uh, necessarily a, a, an active participant. Um, but uh, against one guy, 11 rounds, and you're shooting a slide, slide lock. That's, you know, are you carrying a spare mag? Uh, is 11 rounds enough to get the job done? It should be done. It should be enough in most contexts, but we don't always know. So that's, that's kind of where my thought went to with this, Matthew, is I was like, man, that's... You know, a little bit unusual, honestly, in the in the world of uh, civilian uh, concealed carry, but uh, um, but you know what? These sorts of things happen, and sometimes we have multiple attackers. I mean, think about the story we start, shared in the very beginning: three robbers, mm-hmm. right? Who knows how many? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I was I, you made a really good point there, as far as um, you know, capacity wise, because think about this: they they suspected that there was another person there, anyways, right? So let's say they they end up actually stopping this one person, and we don't know what the hit rate was, right? We we some people could say, well, he must have missed with you know ten of those eleven rounds, and he really only needed one. We don't know, um, but it, it, he did fire eleven rounds. Um, let's say you do have a, a, a gun that the capacity is twelve rounds, and you do have a second person now approach um, with a firearm or with a knife now. Now you have one round, um, and that's it. So, um, yeah, you definitely can make a, a case for why and, and make it reasonable why these people took off from the scene, knowing that there's a second person, knowing that, and I don't know if Tori, I would assume she would have been carrying, but I don't want to assume anything. So maybe she didn't. Maybe she wasn't carrying, right? So they have one one firearm with one round in it. I don't know the capacity, but uh, it's obviously... Uh, not many rounds, right? And so when people say, you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, if I need more than five rounds, you know, then I'm going to run. Or if I need more than five rounds, then I'm screwed. Know, yeah. And it's like, well, <laughs> which is yeah. such a winning attitude. Right. And it's like, I'm not forcing, I'm not saying everybody, if you care, if you carry less than, you know, 15 rounds or you don't carry a spare mag, then you might as well leave the gun at home. I'm not, I'm not, you know, going down that road at all. I'm just saying, think about those things because it's not only about, you know, stopping one person or if I can't end it in three shots, then, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, getting into a shootout uh, with, you know, the red army or something. It's, it's, 
these types of situations are rare, but they do occur. And, um, and, you know, I kind of wanted to go back again, one more time to the whole um, reasonableness of leaving the scene. And, and, you know, it kind of dovetails into rendering aid, right? So like all those after shot things that we do, like after post shooting things, whether the person's alive, dead, injured, whatever, um, you have to look at those actions and, and say, you know, in one situation, it might be reasonable to leave the scene. And in another situation, it may not be. Um, but think about those things and think about what you, what you would do and, and try to, I think this is one of the things that we kind of, um, maybe sometimes neglect is like, on the range we shoot and you know we're done with the with the drill or whatnot and we grade the target and we're like oh everything's good but we don't think about okay well what if you know these shots what if the the person was still uh, alive um am i going to make a call from here am i going to retreat to a different spot am i going to get my car and drive across the street you know like what are what are the options and, and what are the potential things that i may have to consider and so when you get to that situation um, you can make a decision like, Hey, I saw this guy with another person. Let's drive across the street, and not get caught into, well, I can't leave the scene. You know, my, my, my concealed carry instructor told me I can't leave the scene. I can't touch anything. So you're there in a vulnerable position with knowing that there are multiple attackers or something, right? So you don't get into that brain lock where you, you don't think outside of the box of, Hey, let me mm. get to sec- secure spot before I make this call. And so, Yep. Um, I thought I thought that was pretty smart of them, um, you know, given the circumstances. A uh, question from uh, Matt here viewing on Facebook. He said, uh, did all 11 rounds hit the target? We don't know. There's this, you know, this was investigated. This is this article is covering uh, the uh, the response and the statement from the from the Clark County District Attorney uh, reporting on on their findings as they reviewed the incident. It does not say how many rounds uh, struck the, the perpetrator. Um, I would say it's probably doubtful that all 11 hit, but uh, you know, again, it's it's somewhat irrelevant. I mean, is it important that we try to make all our rounds hit? Yes, because we're inca- we're accountable for all rounds that we fire. Uh, is the reality that in most shootings, including officer-involved ones, including civilian ones, even that there are some shots that miss? Yeah, that's an unfortunate reality. Uh, you know, so I, I think there's a couple of things that that we should take away from this. Number one, going back to what I said quite a while, you know, in the earlier part of the podcast about being, being prepared, being ready, being well-trained, um, being the best that I can be, uh, knowing that my shooting skills are sharp, right? That I've got control of that gun when it goes into my hand and I begin pressing the trigger, uh, that I'm not firing faster than uh, decision speed, which, you know, that's probably a topic we should take up uh, sometime. We've, we've, I think, touched on some similar things before, uh, even in talking about uh, like the whole OODA loop, which we, we covered once upon a time, uh, and recognizing that, uh, you know, really human beings, we're not capable of processing and making decisions or seeing something, seeing a stimulus, recognizing it for what it is, making a decision based upon that stimulus uh, any faster than a quarter second, and quite often, probably more like a third of a second. Uh, and so, you know, when, if, if we're shooting 16 splits that's that's way faster than what we can uh, recognize and decide upon um you know so so you know shooting at a speed that where we can see our shots or or recognize that we're aiming well uh that we're making a decision every time that trigger is pressed uh, you know that's that's probably a, a little bit better recipe of uh for success and making making sure those rounds count but uh 
you know, the fact is he fired 11 times. That's what it took to get the job done for him in these conditions. And you know what? I'm glad he had a gun that was capable of firing 11, 11 rounds at least. So, you know, good, good for him. And I'm glad that he and, and Tori uh, uh, lived to, to see another day because that, that could have been their last. That's pretty scary, the way this, this all played out. So sudden, uh, very little warning. And again, the report is that the perpetrator uh, fired uh, fired first, which would, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Now, BJ actually says he didn't know who fired first. Um, I kind of suspect, reading between the lines here, that... Uh, the suspect here with the gun um, didn't fire until BJ started to react, probably by drawing his own gun. Uh, and that probably did result in BJ or in the perpetrator being the first to fire the shot. Um, and it's probably a good thing that BJ stepped, you know, he, he started moving towards a point of cover. Uh, I imagine he's probably drawing in, in that same process. So good for him. You know, and, and this is the sort of thing that you guys are practicing out there as shooters. Are you practicing uh, movement? We talked about that movement with purpose. This is a great example of movement with purpose. He moved to where he had some form of cover. I don't know how effective this trash can was. I've seen some of these, you know, that are sometimes in public spaces near uh, restaurants and stuff that are they're, they're like made out of concrete almost, you know. So, like, maybe it was a good form of cover. Who knows? But the fact is, it was better than nothing. He moved to it. So, he moved with purpose. He draw, drew his gun. He had cover. He put Eventually, you know, however many shots hit, he put good rounds on target from a, a position of advantage. And that is why he won the gunfight. Yes, sir. That's a good one. That's a yeah. great story, isn't it? Perfect. David asks, uh, where did this take place? This is Las Vegas. It was the west side of Las Vegas in a part of town that I used to frequent when I once upon a time lived there. Um, so didn't live in that part of town, but I had work that sometimes took me in that part of town. So when I actually came across this story, I'm like, I think I know right where this take, took place. I don't think there was an In-N-Out burger there at the time, but I, I was, I was, my suspicions were correct. I, I knew where, where this was. So that's a wrap for our Justified Safe Stories for today, guys. I hope you got something out of that. I hope you learned something and that this in some way either encourages, inspires, uh, uh, teaches, you know, or leads you to be a little bit better tomorrow than you were today as a concealed carrier. A little bit better prepared, a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser, uh, a little bit more mentally prepped, all those things, all important factors. Yep. And uh, take care of your families and everything because you never know. I mean, these guys, yeah. some of these guys never thought that that would be their last day, right? So and I'm not trying to end it on a morbid note, but, you know, love your families, take care of yourselves, and, and you know, uh, be thankful for every day. Yep. Yeah, you know, I appreciate you saying that, actually, Matthew, because uh, John Korea often talks on his uh, YouTube channel about the importance of spiritual fitness, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and, and that's a really important thing, you know, that you, whatever you believe in, that you are spiritually ready and prepared for, for, for that day, whenever that, that day comes. And that mm -hmm. is a valid, valid point. Yeah, make sure you've said goodbye to all, all those that you care about. Um, you know, that was one thing that, that was touching to me uh, about uh, Mike Mosher's passing is is uh, reviewing his uh, social media uh, from recent days, uh, which was not easy to do. Um, I, I, I but I you know I kind of went and uh, took a look at you know stuff and and uh, you know I could tell that he spent some time in recent days with his family doing things that he enjoyed with them, uh, and that's really special, uh, and I'm glad for that. 
So it encourages, inspires me to make sure I'm, you know, as good a dad and husband as I can be. So thank you, Matthew, for, for bringing that into the picture. <laughs> right on. So guys, a reminder that today's episode brought to you by uh, the, uh, well, Legal Boundaries by State book, the 50 State Guide. Right. So again, that the link for that is concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book. And then also by the foundation belt from EDC Belt Company. And uh, I would encourage you to check these out and take a look and see if this is the, also the belt for you. Uh, very affordably priced. I think it's, it's, it's very aggressively priced. Honestly, there's a lot of gun belts out there that cost a lot more. Uh, so check out the foundation belt at concealedcarry.com forward slash foundation. And one last call. Those of you that care, uh, which I hope is a lot of you, and even if you are selfishly motivated by a chance to win a $4,000 gun, go to the GoFundMe, GoFundMe link in the show notes of today's uh, show and uh, uh, go to that gun, GoFundMe and, and make a donation, and you'll have a chance to be entered in for, for the drawing for that gun. So, And it goes to a good cause. So thanks so much, guys. We appreciate you all. We'll be back here Thursday with the podcast with more content for you. And until then... Oh wait! Giveaway. Giveaway. Uh, and we have a. It's I'm a surprised bonus you didn't giveaway. stop me. It's a bonus giveaway. Okay, Remember, take take it away, Matthew. All right. So here's here's the deal. Last week uh, we gave away one month of LASR. Um, the winner of that, his first name's Matthew. He was he didn't want uh, to be identified by his last name. He said it's not a big deal. But he had won another prize, and he said he wanted to pay it forward to somebody else. So what we were going to do is pick another winner um, today for that prize and, on top of that, the winner of today's uh, prize, which is, I believe, the Tacost. Tacost. Uh, Tacost. Um, uh, <laughs> we get you uh, trained cards, up. Right? The Tacost cards. Yeah. So let's, let's – you want to do the new entry or new winner for um, the – whatchamacallit? The um, – LASR. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's do Yeah, it. the one month uh, license or whatever. Yep. So let's do this. I'm picking him right now. All right. First name, Alfonso. Oh. Hey, is it is it Alfonso P? Yes, it is. Alfonso is on the podcast. In yes, fact, I think he, he's here today. That would be cool. Alfonso, you have a... Yeah, he's yeah, awesome there you right go. there. You got the LASRX. We'll, we'll send you the the code for that and then let's go back here and i will pick the winner for our take host cards um here we go you ready for a drum roll <laughs> all right and the winner for that is mike mike c uh you got a gmail email address we will send you an email and let you know nice but, yes very cool it's always exciting when uh, somebody is uh, live with us, you know, as that is announced. So, congrats, Alfonso. Congrats, Mike, yep. uh, on respective winners of uh, the Laser X software as well as the Tacos cards. I got some right here on my desk. Boom, Tacos. <laughs> like tacos, but with a T on the end. Taco Tuesday. And because. I don't know why, actually. I just know that Jeff calls these takeos, <laughs> which stands for something. I don't remember what it stands for, but uh, stands for. So- I'm looking at here, you know. Uh, yeah, I have no idea what takeos stands for. <laughs> yeah, it's a taco with an S T. Taco Street, Taco Tuesday. There you go. <laughs> there you go. 
Well, there we go. Thanks, uh, Matthew, for uh, setting us straight and making sure we get the giveaway done. Uh, guys, don't forget to sign up each week for our weekly giveaways at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. So now I bid you farewell. And until next time, be safe, be careful out there, uh, get well trained, and don't forget to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.